Nahum chapter 1, verse number 1. I'm going to go ahead and read these, and you can follow along on your paper or your screen or your Bible. And it says, The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. God is jealous, and the Lord, the re- and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. He reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds or the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Bashan languishes and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languishes. The mountains quake at him and the hills melt. The earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows them that trust in him. A lot of times when we think about the Lord, we don't think about language like we just read here until you get to verse number 7. We talk about how good the Lord is and that he's a stronghold and that he's our helper, but this actually reveals to us and tells us that there's more than one side of God, that he will bring judgment, that he will avenge his people, and there are times that the Lord is angry. A few months ago in this class, we we had a lesson about Jonah, and Jonah, if you probably if you've been around church very long, you've heard the story of Jonah at some point in your life about Jonah and the whale, and that Jonah was a prophet to the land of Nineveh or to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, and uh, we learned how he went and preached to that city. He said, 40 days and God's going to destroy Nineveh, but they repented. They fasted three days, God spared the city and saved them and and allowed them to exist. But now we get to the book of Nahum. This is years later, this is almost a hundred years later. Now there's another prophet, God sending another voice to the city of Nahum. Um, Because what happened in Nineveh is that whenever they repented and God spared them when when Jonah preached to them, it didn't last. It was like they repented for a season for a little while, but then they turned as a city, as a group of people, they went right back into their sin. And so this is why Nahum was written. And it tells the rest of the story of this very wicked city of Nineveh. Um, God judges this nation of Assyria, especially Nineveh, this city, and he restores his people. And You know, perhaps God would have forgiven the Ninevites. Perhaps God would have spared this city if they had repented again. But they didn't repent whenever Nahum uh, preached to them. They they repented whenever Jonah preached to them, but not whenever Nahum did. And so here you get the rest of the story here in the book of Nahum of this city. And it's a short story because they didn't repent. And, uh, you know, I, I just pray that when the Lord gives us an opportunity to repent, we repent. You know, people go astray. I understand people are cyclical and people are up and down to certain degrees spiritually. But whenever we do find ourselves down spiritually, that I pray that God will uh, be merciful to us and that we will repent when he calls.
calls us. And so we're talking about here today about the Avenger. The Avenger. And I'll just ask you a question here today, and you, can, you don't have to answer out loud, but have you ever prayed that God would, would take vengeance on your behalf? Have you ever thought, I wish God would just take care of that person? Could have been something small, could have been something big. But have you ever thought or just prayed, God, would you just would you just do them justice? Um, and then when God didn't do it, you wondered, why didn't God work? Why isn't God taking care of that situation? Why isn't God intervened? Why isn't God answered my prayer? That that situation, I shouldn't have to deal with it or that person and seems like God doesn't answer very quickly. You know, the scripture says in Romans 12, 19, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. But I would tell us here at the very beginning that we have to be careful about vengeance. And we have to be even more careful that it's not up to us to exact vengeance. God hasn't called us to be a vigilante church, and it's not our job to go carry out His judgment and His justice upon the world. We have to be careful and so sometimes we have to hold our tongue, and sometimes we have to guard our heart. God, don't let that bitterness, don't let that, that hardness set up in my heart. We have to keep quiet, we have to control our spirit. But I'm going to tell you here from the very beginning, God's people are the apple of his eye. and God is watching out for his people. And he knows when his people are being done wrong, and he knows when, uh, when, the, when, when the enemy comes in and the enemy... Uh, confronts his people. God's aware of every situation. And ultimately, God is not going to allow his people to suffer destruction. It may not be our timing, it may not be our way, but God's going to avenge his people. He is going to avenge his people in his time and his way. But he's slow to anger. We read that verse there, that he is slow to anger. Verse number three. But he's great in power. And... We trust the Lord. Lord, I don't understand the circumstance. I don't know why that person is against me. I don't know why that person lied about me. I don't know why that person is actively trying to pull me down. But we trust God. And no, God's going to avenge His people. God is the restorer. God is the redeemer of His people. And I thought about how we, so often, we, we want control. We want to be able to control situations. We want to be able to control the outcome. We want to be able to put our hands on it and say, no, it has to be this way. You know, this wrong that's been done to me. I, I want to be able to control the situation. And I got to thinking about all the people that carry guns. Uh, first of all, I'm not against carrying guns. I don't carry one, but I know there are multiple people here in our church that carry guns. And I'm not, but I thought about, okay, people carry guns. Why do people carry guns? Well, because for protection and we want to... Um, want to be able to defend ourselves if the need arose. But, but there's this mindset that I want to control what happens. Does that make sense? I mean, we want, uh, I want to be able to protect myself. And that's a mindset. And, and, I, and I get that. I understand it. But in a, in a spiritual nature or a spiritual context, um, when we have been wronged, we're not going to, obviously, we're not going to pull our gun out and shoot anybody. Um, but God is going to protect his people. God is going to keep his people. And so, first and foremost, foremost we remind ourselves, God 
is in control. God is sovereign. And sometimes I have to remind myself, and sometimes you do too, you have to remind yourself, God is ultimately, he is control of what's happening here in my life. God is in control. If you go back to the story of Jonah that we talked about a few weeks ago, whenever Jonah preached to Nineveh and they repented, if you remember the end of the story, Jonah sits down and, and he's got this scowl on his face and he's, he's furious, he's mad. Jonah is mad at God because God spared, Jonah, uh, spared that city of Nineveh. God asked him, Jonah, what's wrong? Are you, are, you, are you angry? Yes, I'm mad. You know how Nineveh has treated us. You know how Nineveh has, has come against the people of God, and yet, God, you're sparing Nineveh. Why are you letting this go on? God taught him a lesson. He said, buddy, you're not in control of this. I am. And, and so we have to remind ourselves, you know what God is? ultimately overseeing the works of everything. Psalms 115, verse number 3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. And so, thinking about the sovereignty of God, sometimes it can be maddening. Sometimes it can be disturbing to think that you know, things are not working out as quickly as I want them to. But I'm going to tell you that to understand the sovereignty of God is comforting, really. To know that, you know what? I can just step back and put this situation in the hands of God. I don't know why they lied about me. I don't know why I feel like they're trying to destroy me. I don't understand what's happening here, but you know what, God, you're in control, so I'm just going to step back and I'm going to put it back in your hands. So there's a comfort, there's a level of comfort to know that the Lord is sovereign. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Isaiah wrote this, and you've probably heard these verses, but they're very fitting today. He said this, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts to just stop and think, you know what, God's not going to react like I'm going to react. And God's not going to respond to this situation like, like I'm going to respond. Have you ever, have you ever listened to a presentation, listened to something, somebody teaching a subject, or um, you know, read a book, and, and you read this, and, or you listen to it, and you're thinking, what did they just say? And it's like they're they're teaching or they're talking on a whole different level. You know, somebody starts talking about things that you've never read about or never heard about. They, talk, they use words you've never heard. They start talking about physics or nanotechnology, and you're thinking, what? I don't get it. I don't understand all that stuff. That's kind of how it is with the Lord. The Lord's way on a different level. The Lord doesn't think like Derek thinks, and he does not work about things like, like I would or like I think they should. God's, God's up here working and overseeing and controlling things, and I'm down here and I'm thinking, no, God, resolve it right now. I pray that way sometimes. Right now, God. Move on it, Lord. Deal with it, Lord. God's up here saying, mm, slow to anger. I'm good. I got it. Taking care of it. You don't, don't need to worry about it. So his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are on a 
on a different level. And when it comes to handling people and the offenses of God's people, God, God has a way of balancing the scales. God's got his eye on us. You know that? God, God's watching out. And if you've been offended or you've been hurt or you've been, you've been somehow attacked, God's, he's got a way of balancing the scales out. It seems, like, it seems like things are out of kilter. And it reminds me of David in the Psalms. You know, David he said, I don't understand the, the wicked, how they're prospering. I don't understand how they can be doing so well. And he said, then I went to the house of the Lord and I understood their end. God's going to balance the scales. He's going to bring it back. God's people will be vindicated. God's people will be avenged by the Lord. He's our father. Our father loves us. Amen. I, I'm thankful for the love of God. He watches out for his children. Just like if you're a dad, you watch out for your children. The Lord watches out for, for us. Hebrews 10.30, for we know him that hath said, vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again, the Lord shall judge his people. God's ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our ways, our, our thoughts, and God's emotions are not our emotions. His emotion, God does not react like I react, and you react. God's not reactionary, he's like, I've got it, I'm in control here. God doesn't get angry like we get angry. He gets angry, but he reacts differently. He's on a different time scale. God's never lost his temper. Anybody here ever lost your temper and would admit to it? Thank you, Charlie. I knew I, knew I could trust you. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, brother. No, I've lost my temper. I've blown up. God doesn't blow up. God doesn't lose his cool. He's never out of control. But he patiently waits for the right time. And in our mind, it doesn't work. It just doesn't click up here. Why is God, you know, we think about all the trouble that's happening in Afghanistan right now. And we think, God, why don't you just sweep in? He's sovereign. He's, can you explain it? Nope, can't explain it. Don't know why it's happening the way it is. Pray about it. Pray for our, this church. I don't know what kind of presence the church has in Afghanistan, but I pray for the saints. And I pray for the saints in China. Saints in China, they're being persecuted. They're under, you know, they, they mostly have house churches there in China. But we pray for them. But God's watching over. God's going to bring it back into balance. The Lord is slow to anger. He doesn't grow impatient. Um, Psalms 103, verse number 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. And I thought about that, you know, that's how, that's, that, that applies to all the people that are doing wrong. God is slow to anger, but that also applies to people like you and me. Thank you, Lord, for not being so quick to judge me. God, God is merciful. He's plenteous in mercy. When I made mistakes, when I fell short, God was patient with me. But he told Noah's generation, he said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. You know, Noah's... Building the boat. Judgment's coming. God's going to destroy the world. He said, my spirit will not always strive with me. Lord, when are you coming? Lord, don't you see how bad things are getting? Don't you see the squeezing, Lord, of the church, even in America? Don't you see, Lord, what's... God said, I see it. I know what's going on. 
but the Lord is not slack. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. That's a very important phrase, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Sometimes we grow impatient with God. Somehow, sometimes we think his long-suffering is his approval. And that's another mistake people make. Sometimes people think, well, God didn't, God didn't judge me. God didn't take care of me. Sometimes people think the long-suffering of God is just his stamp of approval. It's not. He's just waiting in his own time. He's slow to anger. The Lord is good. We read that. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth to all generations. Often we wanna, when we want to retaliate, we want revenge. It's because we have feelings of anger. It's because we have feelings of malice. We think we're the, we're the ones who are supposed to exact judgment and justice upon people. But God's holy. God's different. God's good. Evil is the opposite of the character of God, his nature. God doesn't respond like us. But he does demand justice. God does demand justice. And so because God is good, he's going to judge sin. How come they get to live that way? How come they get to go on? You know, they're, how, come they're, how come they can backslide and they can live that way? God's patiently waiting. God's watching. You know, what, you know what the Bible says? In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says that the goodness of God leads people to repentance. The goodness of God leads to people to repentance. And so people sometimes will backslide and people will get sideways with the church and people will wander off, go their own route. And God's waiting. And he's waiting. He's, he's, God, God was concerned about Nineveh. God was interested in these people. But God's waiting. He's waiting for them to turn back and repent. You think, God, you know, why don't you deal with that person? Why don't you? But God is patiently waiting. And you know what? His goodness leads people to repentance. And sometimes we don't understand the goodness of God. Sometimes we think the goodness of God is just blessings and favor and material blessings and money and food on our table. Often the goodness of God is trouble. And often the goodness of God, especially somebody who has turned away from the Lord, the goodness of God is, is a disruption in their life. God uses disruptions to turn people back to him. That's why people face conviction. That's why people face the correction of the Lord. If there's no conviction or correction, how will people ever be restored back to God? Amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes I pray for people that are out of the church, and I pray, God, do whatever it takes. God, do whatever you have to do to mess them up. You say, you shouldn't pray that way. It's the goodness of God. And God, if you have to, if you have to take them down financially all the way to the bottom to get them to be saved, it's worth it. How could, how could you pray that way? Their soul is more important than their pocketbook. And so, God, if you have to, if you have to disturb them and shake them from their, their physical wellness, whatever you have to do, Lord, to get their attention, that's the goodness of God. That's what leads people to repentance. Because a lot of times when people are living up here and they're, everything's right and they're comfortable and they got food on the table and they got a good job and they got money rolling in and everything seems to do they're, they're not even thinking about God. <laughs> 
God's far from their thoughts. But sometimes it takes a, a shaking, and sometimes it takes a, something to get their attention that the Lord says, no, no, I want you to get back to an altar of repentance. Thank God for times like that. Thank God He moves on us. Thank God for trouble in our lives if it moves us back to the Lord. And so the Lord is judging Nineveh. He's judging this city. In the opening verses of this book that we read, uh, he gives Nahum this message about why judgment's coming. He says, because I'm a jealous God, because uh, the Lord executes revenge with passion, and he takes vengeance on those who rebel against him. But it wasn't sudden. It wasn't out of anger. It's just that God is just. He's slow to anger. He's great in power. Can I borrow your seat, sister? Sister, mother-in-law. Thank you. He says, he's slow to anger. And then these verses, the Lord starts talking about how he's in control of nature. He says, the Lord has his way with the whirlwind and the storm. The clouds are the dust of his feet. That's kind of a cool thought. The clouds are the dust of God's feet. Verse 4, he rebukes the sea, makes it dry, dries up all the rivers. Bashan languishes and Carmel and the Carmel and the flower of Lebanon length. The mountains quake, the hills melt, the earth is burned at his presence. See, God is control in control of, of nature. He's control in control of all these things. And he's letting Nineveh know that I'm coming. I'm coming to bring judgment. The remainder of chapter one, Nahum details how the Lord is going to uh, avenge his people, the people of Judah. He knows them that trust him. Amen. I'm glad I'm in the church today. Glad I'm living for the Lord. If there's ever a time, I know I say that from periodically, but if there's ever a time to be living for the Lord, it's right now. It's, it's not time to be playing games. He knows those that are his, and there's a place of safety, there's a place of security in living for the Lord. And uh, the point is, is that God gives people the opportunity to change directions. But those that don't change directions, God will judge them. God will bring judgment. He gave Nineveh the opportunity to repent, and they did for a period of time, but they relented. And it's just amazing to me the, the scope of God's mercy, the parameters of God, how far God will go to reach a person. Even when a person continues to trample upon the mercy of God. I kind, of, I kind of have this sense, this feeling that the longer we go in this world, the more brazen and the more bold people get towards God. Just how people are just in, in you know, I don't know how to say it right, they're just in the face of God. It's like, I don't care about God. And it just, it's almost, it's heartbreaking to see how bold people have become. Um, but, you know, people that trample on that, Pray God have mercy on them. God have mercy on their souls. I, I don't say that with any kind of a, a feeling of delight, but God help people that have just, you know, just have gone that direction. Because if people continue in their sin, God, God's going to release them. God will ultimately, does God give up on people? No, he doesn't give up on people. God still loves people. God still cares about people. But people that continue to trample on his mercy, he's going to release them. And basically, the Lord says, if you want to go that direction, I'm going to let you go.
you read the first chapter of the book of Romans, it says that God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them over to their reprobate mind. God gave them up to their uncleanness. It's what they wanted to do. That's, that's why we see the condition of our, of our, even America right now. I'm not a doom and gloomer here this morning, but it's what we see in America. The whole uh, gender identity, the gender chaos, the confusion, the homosexuality, the promotion of it everywhere. It's all over the place. God's going to tell America. He's going to say, you want to go that direction? Go on. You want to keep, keep living that lifestyle? Read chapter 1 of Romans. God gave them up to their uncleanness. I can't remember how it says women with women doing that which is unseemly. Or maybe it says men with men. People, I don't want to get sidetracked here too far, but people today are so confused about the scripture. They say, ah, uh, Bible doesn't, Bible doesn't condemn homosexuality. That was just Old Testament Moses law. Be clear. It's very clear. Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is very clear. There's a very well-known author who wrote some well-known books. Blog, I think she had a blog. I never read her blog. Aubrey bought me one of her books one year for Christmas, and I never got to read it. But her name was Jen Hatmaker. She was very well-known. A lot of people respect her, but she came out a few years ago and said, no, it's okay. Homosexuality is okay in the church. Um, it's shifting. It's a mindset. Um, and, and I'm not trying to single out homosexuality, but homosexuality is just a sin, just like lying and stealing and any other sin. Um, it has to be dealt with. But uh, Hebrews chapter 6, did I put Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 in there, brother? If I didn't, that's okay. I'll just read them. Listen, listen to what Hebrews chapter 6 says, verse number 4. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Now listen to this. If they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. They just keep trampling on it. They crucify the Son of God. Yep. They just keep walking that path. He says if they fall away, but I, I thank God today for the blood. I'll tell you what, if you're here today, it's not too far. You're not too far gone. Praise the Lord. Because you're here today, God loves us. Amen. And so Nineveh returned to their sin. Their repentance was very short-lived. And, you know, when you, I don't know if you remember the book of Jonah, that story. When Jonah went about the city, he's preaching to them. He's saying, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And it was like there was this panic citywide. <gasps> we better repent. So the king calls a fast. Everybody fast. All the animals fast. Three days. And the whole city repents. But it was like that their, their repentance was all based on fear. We better repent because if we don't repent, we're all going to die. And sometimes I know people come into the church and they hear, a message that stirs their heart, and, and sometimes people are afraid of going to hell. Sometimes people are afraid of being lost, and that's a good motivation to come to the Lord. That's a good motivation to repent of our sins, but if that's our only motivation, it won't be long, and that person will go back. That's what happened in Nineveh. It seemed like they were afraid of being punished by God, and people today that come to the church just because they don't want to go to hell, 
they might repent, they might have an experience with God, but it seems like as soon as the world catches back up with them, they're back in the same boat. Some, at some point, we have to fall in love with Jesus Christ. At some point, we have to fall in love with the Lord and say, get a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But God judged the Ninevites and their sin. He brought judgment upon the, the city of Nineveh. You say, well, God spared them before, but now he's bringing judgment upon them. He's slow to anger. He's good. Why is he bringing judgment upon them? What's the breaking point? What's the breaking point with Nineveh? What's the breaking point with people? When does God bring judgment? And as I was studying this and reading through the stories of Jonah and Nahum, it seemed like God allowed Nineveh to exist for a season until they turned against his people, the people of Judah, and God took action. Scripture says in those verses, I'm going to read from a different version here, but the Lord speaks very clearly to Nineveh, and he said, From you, Nineveh, has one come forth who plots evil against the Lord and devises wicked plans. This is what the Lord says, Although they have allies and are numerous, they will be destroyed and pass away. Although I have afflicted you, Judah, I will afflict you no more. Now I will break their yoke from your neck and tear your shackles away. And the Lord was showing his people that he had not left them, that he had not forsaken them, even during the time they were rebelling against him. God's got his hand on us. God's watching out for his people. I thank the Lord for that. Amen. We can trust God. God keeps good records. God's paying attention. Amen. Be not deceived, God's not mocked, whatsoever a man sows, he's going to reap. But God watches out for us, he watches out for his people. When others work to destroy God's people, God will ultimately take care of them. He's got a scoreboard in heaven. So here's the principle I want to leave you with. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 22. There's two verses in Proverbs here. So if you're taking notes or remembering things, here's two verses in Proverbs to remember. Proverbs 20 and 22 says, Say not thou, I will recompense evil. It's not, it's not our responsibility. Say not, I will recompense evil. But wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. And then 24 and 29 from Proverbs. Say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to every man according to his work. I'm not going to say that. When enemies rise up against us, we put them in God's hands. We just hand it over to God. God, you take care of the situation. If we feel like getting revenge is going to help us, usually once we get revenge, we realize it really doesn't help us. Somebody says, you cannot fix yourself by breaking someone else. I thought that's good. You cannot fix yourself by breaking someone else. It, it's kind of like, it's kind of like all these people... I don't want to be controversial here, but it's kind of like all these people in our country right now who are walking around with a chip on their shoulder because of what happened 150, 200 years ago. And, you know, President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. He said all the slaves are free. But here we are, 150, 200 years. Well, that was about 150 years ago. And, again, I'm not trying to be controversial, but We've got people around walking around today saying, they need to pay for what they did 200 years ago. Really? 
living in God's hands. Matthew 5, 38 and 39, you have heard it, that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's what it said in the law, the Old Testament law. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. That's hard. Verse 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's hard. When you know somebody is against you, it's hard to pray for them. When you know people are not, are not right towards you, that's hard. But you know what? And you probably know this. When you pray for somebody that is, has wronged you, it may not do a lot of good for that person, but it'll do something in here. And that's more important, honestly. That's more important that, that we could keep this right. Uh, Paul said, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder. Don't walk around with revenge in your mind. That, that's what this is all about. Don't, don't live with the spirit of revenge that I've got to get somebody back. You know, somebody said, don't go to bed angry. Stay awake all night and plot your revenge. I'm going to get back. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's just for married couples or not. <laughs> I, I read a story about a woman who got bit by a dog that had rabies. And, and she went to the doctor, and the, and, uh, the doctor said, ma'am, it's over. There's no hope. There's nothing I can do. And uh, the doctor said, you better go ahead and make out your will. So she quickly grabbed a piece of paper and her pen, and she starts writing and writing and writing and kept writing and writing. The doctor said, that is a long will. And the lady looked at the doctor and said, it's not a will. This is all the people I'm going to bite. <laughs> so, get them back. We don't want to live with a, a spirit of revenge. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That's such good instruction there. Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with, God, with good. To avenge is to take satisfaction in the injury by afflicting punishment on the offender. The scripture is not teaching us today, and I want to be clear here as I finish. The scripture is not teaching us that we are supposed to just allow sin, allow wrongdoing. That's not, that's not the idea. You know, if somebody breaks into your house, we don't just step aside. Oh, well, God will take care of them. No, you call the police and say, hey, that deadbeat broke into my house and stole my stuff. You call the police. The scripture teaches justice. The, the, the scripture teaches that, that we ought to be law-obeying law citizens and we submit to the authority of, of the land, the law of the land. But what the scripture is teaching us is that, that, that we don't take out of the hands of God the, the right to avenge ourselves for the wrong that's been done to us. 
we, we follow the law, we do what's right, but we're not going to walk around with the spirit that I have to get back at that person, or I have to hunt them down until I get my, until I get my stuff back. We're just going to do our best. We're not going to live with the spirit, because that ultimately destroys us. And so we just put it in the hands of the Lord and say, God, it's your situation, it's, your, it's yours to deal with, Lord. Amen. I'll give you a little homework. Next opportunity you get, read Psalms 94. Read Psalms 94. Um, the psalmist, just, it's like a whole psalm about that it's, it's God's responsibility, that it's God's duty to avenge his people and to take care of the wicked. Amen. But I'm, li- I'm glad I'm living for the Lord. I'm glad I've got hope today. Amen. Why don't you stand with me?